there is interest from traditional collectors and um, it's easier actually to um, introduce them to this new medium uh, on uh, lower uh, value works. I don't think it's a great entry point for a first NFT for a traditional collector to go on, on the six million worth uh, NFT. But that's why also we really wanted in that sale to have every price point. It goes from 2000 to 6 million in that sale. So everyone could participate step by step, sales after sale, that we educate a bit uh, more uh, the existing traditional collectors who are curious about it. And every time there is also new ones coming in and try to and want to understand. But there is still a lot of uh, barrier. And uh, like I think it's also the ecosystem that will evolve over time and become a bit more friendly for them uh, in order to, to, to get into it. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors, so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. Welcome back to the NFT Now podcast. I'm Matt Medved. And today's guest is Michael Buhana, Vice President, Contemporary Art Specialist, and Head of Digital Art and NFTs at Sotheby's. He's coming fresh off of the $11 million Grails Part 2 sale, featuring works acquired by the now-defunct hedge fund, Three Arrows Capital. Split into two parts and totaling more than $17 million, the auctions included notable results like the $6.2 million sale of Dmitry Cheriak's Ringer's number 879, nicknamed The Goose and have injected some much needed optimism into the current bear market. We're gonna get the full story from him and dive into the intersection of the traditional and digital art markets and more. Before we do, wanna encourage you to sign up for our weekly newsletter at nftnow.com. Each week we distill everything happening in the markets and in the space into actionable insights straight to your inbox. Without any further ado, Michael Buhana from Sotheby's. Michael, on the NFT Now podcast, super excited to have you. How you doing, man? I'm very good. No, no, I mean, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Well, I know it's been an eventful few weeks for you and we have a lot to get into, but why don't we start, start off just like briefly tell us a bit about your background. How did you get into digital art and then NFTs? Yeah, no, I like, um, I've been at Sotheby's for a while now, like for eight years, uh, mainly in Paris and London as a contemporary art specialist. So I was really in charge. I had like three sales a year. I was in charge and heading it uh, and looking after business getting, expertise, pricing and sales strategy. I've done that for uh, many years in London. And then I got into NFTs um, quite like um, through seeing what, what's like on social media. And uh, I remember on Instagram, Twitter, and I got very curious about what I think I've tapped like uh, many people like on Google, what's an NFT. And it took me some time to understand actually the technology behind. And then I discovered, you know, that was at the end of 2020, I discovered very interesting artists, especially some conceptual artists who were doing like some very interesting works. And, um, and the market also at that time started to pick up. So I brought the first NFT sales uh, in uh, June uh, 21 at Sotheby's uh, that was uh, natively digital, very curated. We wanted to educate people to it. The different movements it was very successful. At that time, we achieved the record for CryptoPunk and uh, and showed some uh, some artists who are today some of the top uh, artists uh, in the digital art space. 
uh, and uh, and uh, we started from there. So uh, it became a real passion for me to be working in this new, very innovative space. And so uh, with the help and the resource I was given at Sotheby's, I've been able to build this new department and put a lot of effort into uh, what came next. Amazing, amazing. Well, obviously, you know, made big headlines with the Grails auction, did 11 million in the depths of a bear market, I think exceeded uh, a lot of people's expectations. Why don't we, why don't we talk a little about the backstory? Because um, that's su such an interesting collection, right? Like, what's the backstory on the Grails auction? Like, how did Sotheby's actually secure the opportunity to auction off these, these assets that were originally with um, uh, Three Arrows Capital? It was it Vincent Vendo had curated them for Starry Night? Yeah, so uh, I think like many people in the community were aware of uh, first the fail of QAC and that uh, the, their NFT collection were uh, subject to be liquidated. And then uh, the liquidators uh, publicly announced um, the different the, the advancement uh, on the liquidation. And uh, like, uh, like so we had the chance to uh, enter in contact with them and and uh, and to and to uh, and at the end they decided to work with us i think for many reasons uh first of all like at Sotheby's, it's really we are like very specialized in selling some very, sometimes some very complex and important collections both in volume and quality and uh and in diversity uh and so it was very appealing for them that we could um uh propose a very global uh, multi-channel uh, sales um, and also with all the resources we've been able to allocate it to it and so they've decided to work, to work with us because we've definitely we've been uh, the best candidate to achieve the highest results on their behalf and I think the past sales like really proved that it doesn't even feel like a liquidation but more like the celebration of the of the of the works and artists who are in this uh, in this collection yeah absolutely and you know there was a, obviously a lot of buzz around it a lot of attention on it what were your expectations for the sale going into it i think the the, the moment we announced uh, the when we announced uh, that we were going to take care of this collection and uh, we unveiled a little bit of our strategy we received a lot of interest of uh, different uh, parties interested in acquiring uh, different works in the collection. I wanted to make sure they will be aware of the next steps uh, and be to be able to participate. So from that moment, I knew that it was very attended uh, in the to come up in the market, especially some of the top uh, highlights of the collection. And um, and I think what we've seen also in the market the past three months before actually we started the three AC collections, it's uh, the the market for generative art, especially like a soft end a lot. I think it was mainly the result of like some of the top tier collectors waiting, knowing that these will come up in the market and keeping their liquidity for it. So then, when we announced it and we started to resell them, we started to see this liquidity coming back in the market for high quality works. It's very reassuring for the for the market. Uh, it feels way more organic than what we can, could feel actually from uh, different headlines. Of, uh, uh, and actually, I had like great discussions with both traditional and um, and and uh, crypto NFT collectors about their uh, their commitment for some of the the works uh, they purchased. Yeah, excited to dive into that too. I'm curious too, like, what do you think are some of the factors? that really made this auction a success? I mean, obviously we saw the goose all over social media, right? The memes, the like, the, like having fun with that, um, all of that, that definitely like was like the enduring like image and kind of like the, 
the, the memorable like face of it, but obviously a lot of amazing pieces sold. So just curious, like as you know, looking back on it, you know, with your expertise, like what do you think made it successful? I think there is many different components that put together, like uh, included in that in this success. Uh, first is the strategy to really presenting a fine art uh, sale, uh, really move away from um, not the NFTs, but from uh, selling like from selling just. Uh, NFTs somehow, but uh, I don't like to say that because this is NFTs. But some like it, re- it really needs to be treated like fine fine art and to be presented as is and and discussed the way we talk about it. Also to collectors, it's important to to, to talk the same way we would talk about like a proper fine art uh, fine artwork. Uh, then there is, um, I think, the live auction. It's something that really. Uh, talked a lot also to the core NFT community because it's like offering, we were offering us like a great experience, live experience of a very traditional way of selling some masterpieces. And uh, so it was like amazing to have 150, more than 150 people in the room, more than 20 people with the paddle ready to jump on some bids on the phone, online. Like it was very vibrant and feeling like a uh, traditional sales and, uh, and, um, and, and a market full of like a very, uh, passionate collectors like looking to to acquire some uh, some great pieces. Then there is, I think, um, like the the celebration of generative art we've made through the um, the narrative, the curation. Uh, we can't deny that, and it was mainly art blocks works, and we can't deny that generative art has a long history coming from the 1960s. And uh, we need really every time we speak about these generative artworks t- uh, on the blockchain. Uh, to put them in context of the 20th, 1st, 20 and 21st uh, century uh, art story. Um, and then one of the most important components and since the beginning with uh, anything NFT related is the community. And uh, we've had like great support from the community of artists, of collectors, of amateurs and of, uh, of the generative and digital art. And that I'm very thankful for that because uh, it, uh, it helped in making this really like a celebrate um, the real challenge when I, I started to pitch and to and to offer these works was like really to turn the narrative into from a liquidation where actually at the very beginning many collectors thought they could like get a big discount in purchasing their work, uh, but virtually a real like celebration and uh, ensuring that we sell them for the the full price uh, in today's market and that I think was uh, really successful through the the last sales. Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember that a lot of people are thinking, "Is this going to be a fire sale?" But but clearly it was not, right? And that's that's really impressive. So you know, uh, that's I, I know you you just you just talked a bit about uh, the generative art element. I'd love to dive into that a little bit deeper too. Like, why do you believe that generative art and in particular art blocks, as you mentioned, a lot of these are very notable uh, art blocks collections like Ringers, Fidenza, um, that those like those really like notable curated uh, collections. Why do you feel that the, that they're being viewed by the market as having long-term value and significance? I'm really fascinated about generative art, and even personally, I collect generative art, and not just like from, on the blockchain, but also like from the 1960s. Uh, and I, through when we look at the history of art, we realize that every new movement comes from a innovation. Either it's a social, societal uh, innovations or uh, the industrialization in the late. Uh, 19th uh, century with the impressionism it thanks to the industrialization because for example they've been able to uh, it allowed artists actually to use some paint tube we need to imagine that before paint tubes they had to um, 
to mix the oil uh, and the pigment together. It could happen only in the closed studio because on the open air, it would uh, flew away with the, the, the stream, etc. So uh, with the paint tube, actually, uh, the, the artists were able to go outside and paint directly in front of their subject in a very uh, uh, instantaneous way. And that's uh, created some new aesthetics, including with the impressionism. So, and then when we look, uh, we go a bit uh, further, we discover that the computer, and we can't deny that the computer is in our society one of the biggest innovation in changed life of, uh, of, uh, of everyone. And uh, it, had, it has to impact very drastically the, the art. And it did a little bit in the 1960s with when first artists started to use like Vera Molnar in a very experimental way, uh, computers, uh, and even like back then in 1968 when she uses and she goes to a, a university who had the only uh, computer in Paris where she could uh, make some algorithm um, and uh, create some visual art. People were thinking she was crazy and that had like, it was not art because it was made by an uh, autonomous uh, machine. Uh, but then she insisted and through her career for Vera Molnar or other artists, they've been always following the latest innovation in this the, this technology they were using, going from the, with the, in the 70s when the computer started to have a screen, it changed completely because they were able to see directly the rendering of their work live. Then uh, with the web art in the 90s, artists like Rafael Rosendal was able to make some live rendering of his work on a web browser and sell the, the domain name actually to the buyer of the, of the work. That's like innovations that are picked up by the history of art already exhibited in museums, uh, but never really been very successful if we think of them of, uh, on the market side. And the reason is that it was very, not very uh, easy for collectors to collect these works either in the digital and native way or uh, when it was like on a TV, on VHS, like it was not very sustainable and very difficult to, um, to uh, for the conservation, it was very challenging for collectors. So we see that in museums mainly. But then with the NFTs, it's like, it made, I think it's the most important, the blockchain and with the long for it, it resulted in the long form generation. That's the biggest innovation since the 60s uh, and the use of computer because it brought also together like a whole new generation of generative artists and a whole new generation of uh, collectors and amateurs. Uh, and we are at the very beginning of it. There is a lot of education needed, but for this reason and the long history legacy it has, I think it's like a, a real new movement happening really in the contemporary art and, uh, and conceptual art or minimalism, etc. Yeah, I love that. And I love the history there. That's, that's really great because, you know, a lot. some people are surprised to, to, to learn that generative art and even digital art have, have existed long before NFTs, obviously. And, um, you know, that's, that's, some, that's some great context there. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Punk6529 won the goose, you know, obviously a very, very crypto native collector there. But I heard reports too that like a, there are a lot of traditional collectors that were in the mix, that were bidding, that were the underbidders, and that bid in, in on some of the the auctions. And so, just curious, like, what level of interest are you seeing from traditional art collectors around NFTs? There is there is a lot of uh, not a lot, it's hard to say a lot, but there is interest from traditional collectors, and um, it's easier actually to um, introduce them to this new medium uh, on uh, lower uh, value works. Uh, 
I don't think it's a great uh, entry point for a first NFT for a threshold collector to go under, under a six million worth uh, NFT. But that's why also we really wanted in that sale to have every price point. It goes from two thousand to six million in that sale, so everyone could participate. Uh, and every sale like this, it's a new occasion to have discussions with this threshold collector. So it's really step by step, sales after sales, that we educate a bit. Uh, more uh, the existing traditional collectors who are curious about it and every time there is also new ones coming in and try to and want to understand. With generative art, the discussions are a bit easier because all the history and legacy I told you about the sort and they are, they are very uh, sometimes they, they have a, a lot of knowledge already of the 1960s the conceptual art etc. So it resonates uh, for them and they understand the uh, value of these uh, new works. But there is still a lot of uh, barrier, uh, and uh, like I think it's also the ecosystem that will evolve over time and become a bit more more friendly for them uh, in order to 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 get into it. It goes with the connection uh, to the crypto in terms of value, but also in terms of culture. Sometimes uh, it's like the the difficulty of understanding how they can enjoy it physically. That's why the exhibition we've done was really tr trying to showcase that we can present works and offering them the same aura of a proper work of art uh, because there are some collectors who collect some masterpieces of the 20th century uh, and the contemporary art and uh, they, like putting a TV beside a very nice Basquiat canvas doesn't doesn't really work on the uh, interior. Uh, yeah. uh, but having like a proper museum quality frame uh, printed, maybe signed by the artist. I think then, like uh, we, there there is something tangible to which they are sensitive. So it's not for everyone. There is some digitally native, like the uh, uh, artists or collectors that are very uh, attached to the that it stays in the native uh, format. But I think it it comes down to taste and to and uh, and whatever the the collector wants to see it. But this presentation helped actually in getting uh, new collectors interested into in it. Um, but yeah, I think for us, and that's why like every sale you see we are doing, it's also an occasion to educate more people through uh, the overview page, the art and public, the, uh, the edu educational uh, material. And it's, I think it's uh, really well done somehow, like uh, so, so far in the way that uh, threshold collectors are very receptive to it. Yeah, I, I actually love the way that you guys uh, d displayed it. You know I, know, I know that there were some people on Twitter who were like, who are kind of, you know, had, had some opinions or takes on that being like, why aren't these Rummy. being shown digitally? Rummy. All that. They're always, <laughs> always. But but I actually thought that by presenting them physically in there, like, especially when you think about it, the, the traditional art audience, you're, you're bringing, you're bringing this into a display like window or like of understanding that they already feel comfortable, in, right? Like, and they're rather than seeing this as this is something else altogether, this is art period. It just happens to be digital in nature and it lives digitally, but it can also live physically. And especially for the static ones, like the Fidenza behind you or the, uh, or the ringers, like, I think it actually made, a, made it looked really, it looked really nice. It looked very like, uh, you know, like highbrow top shelf, like, like, like you said, museum quality. And so that's, I think a really interesting angle in terms of like, you know, making this more presentable and palatable to like, you know, a more established traditional collector. No, exactly. And I think it's easier than asking them actually to come towards um the this like to come towards like in um um appreciating the art just on their phone or like asking them to do a metaverse like they they they, they want 
they won't get into it or it will take time maybe more for the the metaverse or the the digital way of appreciation of art like to to evolve and upgrade but uh, I think we need to do a step also for uh, to them yeah absolutely I remember early on in you know uh, I think it was in 2021 when some of my friends in the art world were starting to get more interested in the NFTs like I would use Fidenza and some of these other like ones to show them to be like hey like you know like especially gender art is capable of creating really beautiful results like if like a fidenza looks great whether it's printed out or on your computer screen or in like an immersive metaverse and the like and i think it's just also like one of the things that's interesting is like you know there's obviously built-in levels of curation in the traditional art world that don't necessarily exist yet in in this space right it's like you know uh you know it's like you look at um you know most people only see like art that has been selected by galleries or auction houses or things like that um, and has gone through the traditional kind of like filtering process in the traditional world. Whereas like in NFTs, it was like kitchen sink, everything's there, the good, the bad and the ugly. And so like helping people understand that there is really high quality art being made in the space as well. Not exactly. So well, I want to also think about the, the other side of it. What level of interest are you seeing for traditional art from crypto native collectors? Because I do think that collecting nfts like and getting into generative art like has has kind of created a new a whole new generation or class of like of collectors who are now starting to learn more about the art world and i'm curious if you're seeing that at all in terms of like more traditional contemporary art uh sales yeah we are a little bit seeing like a crossover of uh, digitally native or uh, nft uh, um collectors uh buying into uh, other categories that should be from uh watch luxury to to fine art um and uh, we had uh, for example like the example of um, uh, Justin Sun who bought um 70 million Giacometti in uh, in 21 um and uh, and yes i think like this new community new client because even with Lassell, even though we've been for um two years and a half in this market like with Lassell, we had 60% of uh, new um, new clients to Sotheby's uh, among the bidders and the buyers. And um, and they get to understand a bit more what is Sotheby's, how does it work, all the different categories we are excelling at. And uh, and if you, if you go through our website, there is always something for sale. It goes from watches, wine, uh, fine art, old master, design, and... Uh, there is some great pieces at every price, so I, I, I think it's uh, once they get introduced to it, there is an appetite for buying some of the best quality with the, the insurance, also of buying something that is guaranteed in terms of quality of expertise, etc. So uh, there is some uh, some uh, interest in uh, in these different categories as well. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'm curious too, like at a large, like a like at a macro level, like what do you feel are still some of the biggest misconceptions around NFTs from the traditional art world? I think many traditional collectors who are not following that day by day, they are looking at the headlines in the press only. Uh, they are still, and I had these calls where I, as I talk about uh, work for an artist and uh, advise them to to look into it and they say, oh, you know the NFT, it's like uh, I'm not going to this uh, board ape, this uh, monkey uh, images. And I think that's like they, this image of the 21 bull market uh, where there is very low quality work selling for uh, millions where definitely uh, is today definitely playing against us in some somehow. So I, I feel that 
we are today in a very new market. I don't even like to say that we are in a bear market uh, because I don't think getting into a new bull market with no connection from price to quality uh, is sustainable or uh, good in terms of uh, getting credit and uh, and uh, onboarding some serious collectors. Uh, but I think we are just in a very new market that is very niche and uh, and there is some very passionate passionate uh, collectors, amateurs, commentators, and uh, and artists working into this new niche market, this new ecosystem, and uh, and it will take it will take time, bit by bit, like to actually get more people to be interested in it, uh, and uh, and that way will be way more sustainable and like very similar to the way we uh, we interact with traditional apps. Makes sense. Makes sense. And. You know, I know you kind of touched on it, but what are some of those things? That, what are some of the things that like you're looking ahead to? Like, like what, what what do we need to see happen? Like, what are some benchmarks or some, or some milestones that we need to hit, or uh, to for you know, in order to um, bring the traditional art world more into uh, in more into the space from a level of understanding and acceptance. Yeah, it's very. I, I would comment to talk only on the very specific digital art because NFT, you know, it's like many other things and. Uh, there is other challenge to bring like the wider audience to different categories NFTs can uh, play a role into. Um, but uh, with digital art, uh, I think it's where I said before about the connection to crypto. Uh, for example, I had a special creator who tell me, okay, if I buy this uh, ringer, uh, not the goose, like another one, uh, is it like a, for me a double bet in crypto because I don't want to be associated or I don't want to get into crypto? Uh, it's fair enough. It's not for everyone to get into crypto, but he, he wants to get into the art. He loves the art, etc. Uh, so I think the connection it has today, still today, with the crypto uh, will always to be a barrier for traditional collectors. I don't know what it means and how it should be. Like should be be completely indexed into USD. It's like it's it's also going against a lot of uh, of. Uh, like foundation of how this was created. It's based, it's on blockchain. It's like, it comes from the crypto culture. It's like, thanks to all that. So it's, uh, a, a, I don't know how it it will happen, but that's one of the barriers uh, I, I see from traditional collectors. And also like, um, there needs to be some work into the display. There is great, uh, great um, uh, solutions today, but it's not there at all. Uh, and uh, I could see in the three, five years having uh, like a proper digital display that uh, fits uh, into traditional collectors' uh, interior. Um, and uh, and they will be more inclined uh, in uh, getting into purchasing um, NFCs. Love that. Love that. And obviously, there was a lot of uh, a lot of support and uh, and and celebration in the space. You know, after the sale, obviously, I think it was widely seen as a, as a great result, um, especially considering it was in the middle of a bear market or a new market, whatever we want to call it, right? Um, and, and I saw, you know, there were a number of collectors, commentators who actually like were kind of hailing that, like, you know, Sotheby's has come a long way when it comes to digital art. Um, you know, since those early sales, I'm curious, like, what do you what do you attribute that progress to? Yeah, I think we've we've done we've been um, in the NFT space for two years and a half, and we have a, a big uh, track record of uh, very successful sales. You know, the first natively digital, we achieved 12 million, uh, including uh, a record uh, for a CryptoPunk alien. Uh, then we've we've continued this. Um, this uh, market sales somehow of uh, very curated sales where we unveil different uh, movements every time. Uh, I think uh, also the the 
the community is very uh, is is expecting a lot from Sunbiz, and I think that's right because we are one of the largest uh, company today, very in uh, interacting into the into the digital art space, uh, and uh, and and the most important is really just to. Um, focus onto quality presentation and um, and give back to the community somehow. And I, I think with this last sale with the the royalties that we went really counter uh, current uh, in doing the royalties. But for us, there were never a debate if the royalty should be paid or not to the artist. And I was actually surprised how fast uh, this core value got completely uh, erased. Uh, but I think that, and paired with um, really trying to celebrate this whole generative art community, uh, is the a key for a uh, at least a, a, a social media success because then it's rely on the market if it's a success or not. Yeah, I, I love the fact that that you included the royalties element because I think that that really speaks to you know this this new paradigm that I think is possible with the blockchain. Obviously, it's you know. We at NFT now, you know, we're all about empowering creators. And so, you know, we've been very, very, very vocally in favor of creator royalties and the like. And like you said, it was a bit surprising to see how quickly things moved in a different direction with Blur and and all of that. But I do think that ultimately, like, you know, different communities are going to enforce their own values. Right. And so uh, just tell me a little bit about the decision to, to do the royalties and uh, because obviously that's something that in the United States, at least, is not a it's not necessarily a norm in the traditional art world, um, it, but it's something that's been talked about for quite some time. And it's one of the reasons why I, like, I think a lot of artists were drawn to uh, to the Web3 and, and, and the NFT space. So but tell us a little bit about, about the rationale. Yeah, I think it's uh, um, a wider uh, decision we made also on our secondary marketplace. Uh, to enforce royalty, even if it, it makes uh, us a bit less competitive against other marketplaces that doesn't uh, honor the royalties, and for that sale, uh, also it was uh, very important to to honor them, the, to the creators, uh, to be in line with our uh, values towards uh, towards this, um, and I think it was very appreciated uh, by by the artist, and it uh, helped in also getting their help when we. Uh, needed maybe uh, to have them sharing about their works, get their collectors to 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 be aware about the sale. It was really like a joint effort um, to 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 raise awareness about the sale coming up. Yeah, yeah, no, no great point, great point. Um, look, I know earlier this year, Sotheby's did receive some criticism for the natively digital Calypsoism show that did not include uh, female artist representation. Uh, I know Sotheby's subsequently relaunched the show as a political beyond binary with a more equitable lineup. What were some of the lessons learned from that? Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you saw we've done uh, many sales before uh, this glitch sale and every time we are very careful in uh, representing uh, underrepresented communities, female artists. Um, and uh, even just before the sale, two weeks before the glitch sale, we've done a sale dedicated to female artists working with um, Pussy Riot and Unicorn Dao. And uh, with this glitch sale, we missed a big part uh, of um, of the how under also how under uh, represented communities and female artists are very important actually in uh, in this uh, movement and more than other movements actually uh, we are very thankful that uh, the community picked uh, picked up uh, the um, the issue and like uh, you saw that in uh, two weeks time it was relaunched 
with uh, a whole new narrative curation, including uh, many female transgender non-binary artists who've been very uh, key in the um, in um, in the evolution of this glitch uh, movement. And so, the I'm very thankful again, like like we talked uh, about the importance of the community and the success of ourselves. I think they helped us a lot in uh, making us rework the curation. Um, and uh, it was very important uh, for us to listen to them. Yeah, so just to add, because I think it's an issue that we see um, in the digital art space, but that is also the same issue we see in traditional, um, in traditional art. And um, I think it's um, a common uh, responsibility of every actor acting in this uh, space uh, to be very careful in making sure they always uh, respect in their curation uh, a fair um, and equitable representation of uh, every communities. Yeah, like you said, there's there's still a massive gender gap in the art market at large, you know, traditional, digital, NFT and beyond. Um, what can the art community do to better support female artists year round, day in, day out? I think there is, a, there is some great actors uh, really focusing on uh, female artists or um, convincing collectors uh, to uh, or presenting to collectors some uh, female non-binary transgender artists and uh, it, it will it will uh, take time also because uh, artists uh, w w the main issue and uh, we see it's actually on the top tier of the market where we see that it's dominated by male artists and um, and I think it will take time for the market to um, correct this issue, but I see some great actors and collectors are uh, really committed uh, on making this uh, changing. So I'm very positive and uh, hopeful that uh, we'll see like a shift happening in two, three years. What is really great with our ecosystem is that's a very new one. So like all these main actors have actually a great impact and because we are also in the niche market, so every little um, uh, action they take has actually a big in this ecosystem. So uh, and I know some of the top uh, collectors uh, are very committed to it, so I'm uh, very hopeful that in the tooth, in some time, we'll see like great evolution on that uh, on that front. Got it. I know that you've also been teasing uh, this forthcoming project in the generative art space. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's really exciting. It's something I've been, we've been like the whole team been working like for more than a year and uh, it goes with our new strategy to be very, uh, uh, to, to have a lot of engagement within uh, the generative art movement. And so we are going to launch a new gen art program uh, in which will, uh, that will be powered by Artblock Engine. It's just a huge honor to to be uh, partnering with the uh, art blocks. Uh, I'm I'm a fan myself, and I think they've done like a like an amazing job in uh, innovating and creating this whole new uh, ecosystem and this whole new creativity um, for the artists uh, and these tools. Um, but so we launched this general program that will have every year only two three long form generative art uh, sales. Uh, so it will be extremely curated every time we take four months to develop it, to work it, and it will be it will be brought to market in a very fine art way with exhibition, uh, videos, a proper education about the works, a big focus on 
um, and uh, all our threshold collectors who've shown interest in conceptual, in generative art, etc., trying to onboard uh, new uh, clients into the into this new medium. Uh, and the first, and we couldn't start actually, and yeah, and she's a female artist, and I'm very very happy with that to to inaugurate this general program with Vera Molnar. She is 99 years old. She's like the mother of generative art. She's been uh, all her life seeking for uh, like the first one to use the latest technology and innovating and pushing the boundaries. And and uh, and when you look at her career, it's full of like uh, different periods uh, depending on the new tool she was using. Uh, and now she looks at what the blockchain and the creative coding. Um, and uh, and and the long form generative art can provide to uh, making this uh, this this new body of work. She's been partnering with a great artist I love as well, uh, which is Martin Grasser, who's very known in the generative art uh, space. Um, and uh, and yeah, this sale will happen at the end of July. It's a world. She's she's like it's it's fascinating because in the 1980s there is a video of her. Uh, an interview where she says that her dream is to have a machine that look at all her work she ever made and to create um, the works for her. And this machine would be called Vera Molnar. And we are not doing that exactly, but half of it in a sense that this project is a combination of the, some design she made herself. And then the algorithm uh, will create some design based on the design she made. And there will be this duality in each output. There will be a sort of a fight of a duality between her and what she called the machine imaginaire. Uh, and that's like a notion, a concept that was super important through her whole career. And so she was amazed. Like we spent a lot of time at the beginning explaining her what is doable with this new technology. And uh, and progressively, she came up with this protocol uh, that was, was fitting uh, the, 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 the limitless possibilities of of things we could do with this new technology and uh, while uh, pushing again a new body of work that is in line with our world career. Um, so that's it, it's it's a major news for the generative art because she's the number one. I don't like to say that because there is other artists super important of that period, but she's the artist who, who really like like let uh, who who've been influencing so many. Uh, young artists uh, we know today, like Tyler Hobb, Dmitry Charniak, and uh, and with the advancement she made in the 60s, um, uh, we couldn't be there here today. So uh, I'm super happy to present that to the generative art collectors, and uh, and um, and yeah, so that will be the inauguration of our new generative program. Wow, that's super exciting. Um, and that also kind of marks a shift, of, like like leading more into some like primary sales versus versus just secondary as well. Yes. Yeah, I think primary sale is really new to us, but we've been doing a lot actually working directly with the artists in our native digital sales. It was mainly uh, working uh, concerning works directly uh, from artists. Uh, it's new, and that's also something you asked me about. How did we evolve through the past two years? How did we learn also from our mistakes? And it goes also with putting getting the right resource in managing or not managing but like working directly with artists very different working with artists rather than with collectors um and uh, that's like uh, and for me it's a huge honor to be working directly with artists it's usually the role of a primary a market gallery and uh, not an auction house but in this new ecosystem we've placed ourselves also very uh, into the the primary market so 
with this new uh, program yes we are really at the beginning of the from the brainstorm to the conception of the project to the go to market and the strategy and the selling and the marketing extra we are uh, we are uh, uh, part of the whole uh, process so it's super exciting awesome uh look very very looking forward to, to seeing more uh from that that front um give us a give us a little bit of a of a glimpse into the future you know obviously it's a super exciting program what else what else is next for digital art and nfts at sotheby's yes we are very committed to digital art we uh we are uh, looking into many different uh, aspects we can innovate. Uh, it goes with the digital art, but then we, we also investigate into other categories, luxury um, sportswear. We have like, a great department of sportswear. We achieve records um, when selling some, um, some um, very important collectibles uh, and to find out also how can we use this technology into our uh, existing and, and physical um, collectibles and art uh, business. Um, it goes with how we can use the NFT as a certificate of authenticity, how we can use the, the digital representation of a work to improve the buyer or the collector experience. Um, there is many, many like uh, elements like this. We uh, try to understand uh, how we can really uh, improve uh, with this, uh, improve our existing business with uh, the, this new technology, which is still experimental in many fronts, but I see a big uh, future also on that front. Very cool. Well, look, we have our last segment, bullish or bearish, rapid fire, going to get your takes, your hot takes on some, some topics. Let's kick it off. Bullish or bearish AI art. Of course, I have to. I'm bullish. Of course, I'm like it's. Uh, I love new. I, I love how new technology is impacting the art. And uh, similarly to generative art, it is a um, fascinating new territory for artists that needs many work, a lot of education. Like it's still super early for uh, like for uh, many people to understand. Uh, what it is, what's the uh, quality, uh, the artistic value of it, uh, but it'll come together. It's like no innovation like uh, came uh, in uh, overnight. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure we'll uh, we'll get there. And I'm very, also very exciting like I, I'm about uh, art, and I, I'm uh, I, I I will at some point like want to do like a curated uh, sale just on art and try to educate people to it. Very cool, very cool. I'm sure I'm sure the AI community will be happy to hear that. Um, Bullish or bearish early crypto art? Of course, I'm bullish, and uh, I'm uh, I'm bullish in the timestamp in provenance. Uh, I that's one of the big uh, innovation with the, this uh, NFT technologies that timestamp uh, doesn't lie. Uh, but I think we also need to be careful, and uh, it's a, it's important to be extremely selective. For example, like without some of this very early crypto art, uh, if we think of uh, of a crypto punk as uh, coming from this category, uh, we it like generative long form generative art may not happen without the crypto punk because of Snufro claiming them, uh, the idea of doing art block. Uh, these are very little connections and details that makes where we are today, and uh, and so we can say that it maybe started from the, the crypto punk, and then we can go before before Ethereum and pre Ethereum blockchains. Uh, this is where we need, I think, to be careful. There is some super important works. We saw the first NFT ever minted. Okay. Uh, that's like a iconic historic work. Uh, and, and then there is also uh, some, we need to 
there is a notion in the traditional art where if a work is too much restored, like an old masterwork, a work that is like 600 years, if it's restored more than and altered more than 75%, we can't consider it as original and by the artist. And it's difficult to put this notion back into like a token, uh, but uh, with the wrapping, and uh, I think it's super important to have like an important understanding of what it is to wrap a pre-Ethereum on Ethereum or to, uh, and also how the, the how it is documented on the blockchain on the metadata that BCs the original work from a certain date uh, and what, because the, 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 the number of information is key actually in making this work um, sustainable. Yeah, great points, great points. Uh, are you bullish or bearish on representation of NFTs and digital art in traditional museums? Yeah, British. I think we just saw a first dive from a couple of uh, museums and they've done it uh, very well. The LACMA, the Pompidou, uh, and a couple of other uh, museums that went into it. It will help a lot in educating uh, a wider audience uh, to it and to get also some credit from, um, from traditional collectors. Um, I, I think a big... Um, um, a big, a big traveling exhibition by a major museum, uh, defining all the different movements, artists, aesthetics, innovations, going from maybe the beginning of computer art and like the the web art, the glitch, the like made, the showing of like all the different movements will help a lot actually in educating like like a bigger uh, a bigger audience uh, to it. All right, last but not least. Bullish or bearish, generative art. Very bullish, and personally, uh, like I, I collect, I sold, I, I collect uh, contemporary art as well, traditional works, and I sold a few of them to be able to buy also more generative art. And I display everything at home. I print when it's NFTs. I uh, buy also some 1960s works by Vermeer and other pioneers from the 60s. And to me, it's like a whole new movement uh, that is. Uh, that is growing, and um, like I think the, the the only fact there is this concept of uh, randomization of the, in the 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 way the computer the algorithm can have an impact on the output, and we we saw it with the clues. That's the magic of the algorithm, and not like it's not directed by uh, directly. And this whole conceptual element, I think, it's super interesting, and comes back to conceptual art, to Marcel Duchamp, to all these uh, artists who really wanted to break with the traditional way of making art and and to push the boundaries to the definition. Of Boom, there it is. Well, Michael, appreciate you taking the time. Always good to chat art with you and looking forward to everything Sotheby's House coming. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, take care. That was a great conversation. I really enjoyed learning more about Sotheby's new generative art program and Michael's perspective on the movement as well as what he's seeing from the traditional art market as it slowly warms up to digital art and NFTs. We obviously have a long way to go, but it's encouraging to see sales like Grails demonstrating the enduring value of digital art, particularly in this challenging market climate. If you enjoyed this episode and enjoy what we do, would encourage you to head to your podcast provider of choice and leave us a review. We love the stars, we love your feedback, and each review you leave helps surface what we're doing with a wider audience. Thanks again, and we will catch you next week on the NFT Now podcast.